Welcome to the National Crawford Roundtable podcast, a view of culture, current events, and politics through a biblical lens, brought to you by Preborn, saving babies and souls, Alliance Defending Freedom, protecting your God-given right to live and speak the truth, and Wilson Financial Advisors, over 50 years of financial expertise and success. Visit CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on their banners to visit their websites. And now here are your hosts, Neil Boron, Bob Duco, Roger Marsh, and John Rush. Back with another week of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast with all pistons firing. We got John and Roger and Neil, myself, Bob. Guys, how are you? Very good, Bob. Thank you. Doing great, Bob. How are you? Uh, doing pretty good things. Hey, Roger, I'm glad you could make it. I know you had to hurry up and get out of the Barbie movie. because like four times you've seen it now, I think. So. <laughs> well, yeah, and I, look, I keep, keep coming out looking the same every time. I look like I Ken. know. What's you know, all that? I, mean, I want to get some of those Ken clothes. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, it's all about Ken. I, I know. Yeah, like, he, like he's good. Just put him down there on Santa Monica Boulevard or something. Nobody's going to know any different, you know, so whatever. Ooh, wow, okay. Oh, yeah. hey, what are you going <laughs> to say? It's a little early for that. Yeah. It, <laughs> maybe a little. Uh, okay, so here's what we're going to talk about. This Actually, some pretty serious stuff. So the lighthearted yeah. stuff is out of the way. From here on out, it, it's, it's pretty heavy. Obviously, we're going to talk a little bit about the... The wildfires in Maui. It's uh, now the latest death toll as of Wednesday morning when we're broadcasting this is 106 are the latest numbers as of as of this minute. They're anticipating that that number is going to continue going higher. We'll talk about that a little bit, and then the rest of the podcast is going to be talking about the latest indictment du jour of Donald Trump. These specific charges in Fulton County, Georgia, including. RICO, racketeering charges set aside for mobsters. That's right. Donald Trump, did he actually do racketeering kind of stuff? All right, so we'll talk about that as well. First, though, the Maui wildfires. Uh, This is certainly a devastating thing. At this point, it's the worst natural disaster as far as death toll goes in Hawaii's history, at least in recorded human history, and it may be in U.S. history total, so we're waiting to see the numbers. But anyway, you cut it. It's a a devastating fire, no doubt. The political side of this, Joe Biden, he has finally under pressure announced, okay, yeah, we're going to, we're going to go there. We're going to visit the people. We're going to whatever. This is after he laughingly said no comment when a reporter asked him, do you have a comment on the rising death toll? At that point, it was 96. Mm. And he smiled, laughed, <laughs> no comment, gets in his car on his way to the beach. It's like, wow, are you kidding me? Mm. Uh, and I thought Donald Trump was the cold-hearted, ice-water-in-his-veins right. kind of person. And and here's, uh, and then, of course, you got Hillary Clinton laughing with Rachel Maddow about the constitutional crisis we're facing right now. So it's amazing how lighthearted the left takes these things. But let's kind of go around the table a little bit and get some of maybe your thoughts and analysis and observations. And I know there's some conspiracy theory talk too. John, we'll get to that in a second with you. But uh, Neil, maybe if I could start with you. You and Roger are pastors. And just so kind of from from a pastor's perspective here, we got to remember that politics aside, everything else, these people are suffering out in Maui. A lot of families have been devastated, their lives devastated, their property ruined, people's lives lost, and we do need to certainly be praying for the people out there. No question about it. And it's one of those situations I think we've all caught ourselves at various times thinking, you know, stuff is happening in our country or in the world and we think we're having a bad day, you know, when our oil needs to be changed on our car, or we get a flat right. tire on the way to work. Um, 
this is we're talking about the loss of human life here and human life is sacred we talk about that all the time when we address the right to life issue here on the round table and we believe that as christians that you know people are created in the image of god and so we're talking about fellow human beings and Again, I think this is a wonderful opportunity for the Church of Jesus Christ to rise up. Um, there's an organization here in the U.S. mainland called uh, Eight Days of Hope. They're major responders to national disasters everywhere, you know, Hurricane Harvey, Hurricane Ian, tornadoes, floods, whatever, and they now are sending a team to Hawaii uh, to assist, you know, in the situation in Maui. But I, I believe that we as the church need to take these things seriously. We can't always be consumed with just what's happening in our own backyard or our own neighborhood. Uh, it was it was scriptural. It's biblical. It's like it's being like Jesus to care about the interests of others and mm-hmm. you know to not merely look out for our own personal interests. I mean, our interests matter, but uh, we're to care for the interests of others, and that's what Jesus did when He laid His life down. So I think we as believers right. need to think about these things and pray about them. And I hope we can pray about this before we move on to the next issue. But yeah, yeah. absolutely, uh, most certainly. And and we are going to uh, talk about. I mean, I want to get Roger's take on on what's happening out there. We'll talk about some of the conspiracy theory stuff as well. Uh, we do need to have a heart for for people that are suffering. And I just kind of want to remind everybody as we as we start diving into these discussions right now. Uh, would you have a heart for the unborn? You hear us talking about preborn on this podcast all the time, and we just want to remind everybody that giving to preborn is a way to save babies' lives, to protect babies from being butchered and, you know, something burned alive inside their mother's wombs. This is an evil thing that's happening inside the wombs of mothers across this country. But you can do something about this. You can save a baby's life by paying for ultrasound images for preborn to show images of that baby to those expectant moms. Preborn's been doing this for decades. They do this in pro-life centers all across the country. $28 is the average cost to save one baby's life through ultrasound images. What we're asking everybody in the audience to do right now is to prayerfully come up with a number. Take $28 times fill in the blank, whatever that number is. Is it 10 babies' lives you wanna save? 50 babies, 100 babies, whatever you can afford, we're asking you for a one-time gift. And here's how you give, two different ways. You can go online to crawfordmediagroup.net, click on preborn, you can give right there. 100% of what you give goes to fund ultrasounds. Crawfordmediagroup.net, click on preborn, or just call 833-850-BABY. And they answer the phones 24-7. So call right now, 833-850-BABY. Just mention National Crawford Roundtable when you call. We appreciate you folks doing that. Uh, we do have a heart for the unborn. We certainly have a heart for the people that are suffering in Maui and Hawaii as well. And Roger, let me ask your take on this as well. Certainly, I mean, you're a politico. You pay attention to what's happening politically and the callousness of Joe Biden regarding this, but you're also a pastor like Neil is as well. So just maybe some of your thoughts and observations. Well, it really becomes a both and at this point. You know, the idea that uh, we need to be mindful of the way the response was handled or not handled, as the case may be, is very important. But at the same time, you know, when someone's home has been destroyed, I was reading a great article yesterday, I think Christian Post had it, where Greg Laurie's church, uh, Harvest uh, Christian Fellowship in Southern California, has a church plant in in Lahaina area. And for some miracle of God, the church building was not impacted at all. The members of the church, every staff member on the pastoral staff, 
half, you know, thousands of people who attend that church either lost a home or lost a business or they're out of work right now or whatever. But the church is kind of becoming a ground zero for the people who are there. And that's great. We have to meet the temporal needs for people who have been displaced. I think it's about, you know, it's, it's the, the temporal kingdom and the eternal kingdom. You know, right now, take care of the immediate need. That's how you show the love of Christ to somebody who says, I don't care about the conspiracies. I care about the fact that my home's burned down. I don't have a job anymore. That, you know, like Neil said. At the same time, though, I think we are uh, wise to keep an eye out and ask the questions like, why didn't the emergency alarm system go off? Why, <clears throat> why would something like this happen? And the governor just says, well, I, we, you know, we're used to rain hurricanes. Now we had a fire hurricane. It's like, well, no, wait a minute. The, 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 the odds of something like this happening this way at this time of year are so very, very slim um, mm-hmm. that it, I think, you know, at, at the risk of sounding like, you know, it's QAnon or something like that, I, I think we need to do the due diligence, ask the difficult questions, and and do so with with gentleness and respect, as First Peter three would right. say. Right, absolutely. Well, let's do this because I want to get uh, John's analysis on this, and especially some of the conspiracy theory talk. But uh, maybe we could, Neil. I think you're absolutely right that that we we do need to certainly pray for the people there. And if it's okay, let me just kind of lead us in prayer very quickly uh, for for the folks in in Hawaii. Heavenly Father, we. We lift up the people of Maui and Hawaii today that are suffering immensely. And Lord, we realize there's all kinds of things to debate and discuss, but at the end of the day, we remember that these are human beings that are made in your image and likeness, and they are suffering, and we need to have a heart for them. And God, we just ask that you would comfort those that are in pain, that have lost loved ones, that you would reveal yourself to them, that you would just let them sense your presence, Lord. Those that are financially devastated, God, that you would miraculously touch their lives and touch their situation and just uh, bring about healing, Lord, for them financially, physically, emotionally, spiritually. Lord, for any that don't know you, that you would lovingly reveal the truth of who you are to them, open their eyes, remove the blinders from their eyes and from their hearts that they would receive the truth of who you are and that, God, they would they would see and find comfort in you, not in the things of the world, not in the government programs, even though all of those programs are helpful, that's great, but ultimately total peace and total comfort is going to come from you, Lord, and knowing you. So we just ask, God, that you would comfort the people out there, that you would make yourself known to them, that you would supply the needs that they have and work through the hands and the feet of the people that are there and are going to be there for a long time in rebuilding these regions. And above all, Lord, that you would receive glory and honor. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, Amen. Let's let's talk about some of the uh, the political aspects of this, some of the uh, controversial aspects. First of all, and John, as I throw this to you, one of the things that really makes my eye twitch about these wildfires, whenever we hear things, oh, this is global warming, we tell you, and, and it's like, oh, come on, stop it. Uh, I don't know what the state of forest management was in Hawaii, but I awful. do know that Hawaii is known for awful. being really liberal, left-wing, progressive, yes. environmentalist friendly. That yes. tells me that they probably have not engaged in proper forest management. They probably have not thinned the forest the way that they need to. They probably have not cleared away the underbrush necessary uh, that because they don't want to displace the natural habitat of the Norwegian spotted cricket or whatever. Uh, and these things are dangerous because if you have some 
power line that ignites a fire or something, what happens is the fire spreads faster than firefighters are able to right. try to contain it. And right. and that to me is something people need to learn from. But just some of your thoughts on this and some of the conspiracy theory talk as well. Well, and I want to give some backstory on some of this too so that people know that I feel I can speak to this a little more um, authority-wise, I guess, than, than most. I lost... A house. We had a second home up in Granby, Colorado, when the troublesome fire came through if, uh, about three years ago now, and it was very similar mm-hmm. to the fire that you saw in Lahaina as far as the devastation that was there and what it actually did. And so, number one, I know what it's like to lose a home, not our main home, but I can tell you that especially the female sides of things, for me, it's just things they can be replaced. You got insurance, not a big deal, move on. You know, it is what it is. But I can tell you my wife to this day still doesn't look at it, <laughs> doesn't look at it that way. So sure. uh, I can be very, very sympathetic to the folks that are over there going through what they're going through right now. The grief, just the utter... Uh, just everything being demolished, ashes, literally. I mean, I know what it's like to go to a home and walk up and have it be just a pile of dust, literally. And for those that are out there saying there's just no way this was, you know, a a natural-caused fire, things don't burn that hot, blah, blah, blah. Number one, every one of those statements is utter hogwash. I've seen it for myself. I I watched, you know, I went back to my cabin that literally burned down. I had two snowmobiles in the in the lower end of it where the garage was and literally guys everything was so hot there wasn't an ounce of one of those snowmobiles left including the aluminum engine blocks and so on it was nothing more than dust there was about four items you could recognize inside of the rubble of things that were in the upper levels of the cabin that had fallen down probably on top of the fire that weren't as burned as some of the others but that's about the only thing you could even recognize out of everything else that was there so these people that are saying there's just no way that was natural uh number one they're completely wrong they've never been through what i'm talking about they honestly have no idea what they're talking about and then they're pushing around a bunch of conspiracy theories on lasers and satellites and this was caused by a bomb and blah, blah, blah. I mean, there's so many theories running around on that end. And if you're a Christian spreading those rumors, by the way, shame on you, because it's not fair to the people that have lost everything to be doing that. Bob, back to your point, been to Hawaii, some that Maui area probably 30 plus times. And I'm very, very familiar with that entire area. And I can tell you, Bob, what you said earlier about the preparedness and making sure that you are ready for something along those lines, if it were to come, zero zero preparedness in that way when it comes to cleaning things even around power lines nonetheless the the brush and that hillside that was up uh, above uh, Lahaina no nothing had been done there for probably you know eons and I'm not exaggerating when I say that so Bob you're completely right poor forest management uh, which in that case maybe not even forest but just poor management of the land is probably the best way to say that uh, poor response they they claim the fire was contained when it actually wasn't I mean yes there's a lot of missteps on on the governmental agency sides of things. But no, I don't believe this was caused by some laser weapon that's being developed by the military and and this was a test run and and or they wiped it out so they could develop the town into something else and all of the big power hungry individuals made this fire start so that they could, you know, have a land grab now. I mean, all of that, guys, is just number one, too soon after the devastation. They're not even right. figuring out where all the bodies are, which there's rumors over there now, guys, and I, I don't want to try to start any rumors here, but uh, there are some officials there that are saying the death count could be higher than 500. So you're just still seeing the beginnings of them going through the debris, trying to figure out, you know, who passed away. And by the way, something that you're not really hearing a lot in the news media, the majority of those will most likely be kids. There was a day off 
of school. The kids were home. Their parents weren't there. Kids didn't have any idea what to do. That fire spread rapidly. So to be saying some of these things conspiratorial, uh, and when you've got a child that have, has probably died in that fire because you can't find them right now, uh, you're not being fair to those individuals at all. No, I, I mean, that's, that's such a good and important point, John. You're, you're absolutely right. Uh, the conspiracy theory stuff is nonsense. And by the way, the global warming claims is also nonsense, nonsense also. about this. It, it really is. Uh, what, what, what needs to happen in stuff like this, guys, is it just people need to be willing to learn from this. The forest management, that, that's no, no small thing. This is a really, really important thing. Now, there's other things as well. We, you can look at the emergency alert systems and you can, you can try to assess, hey, were people they notified have a in enough time? System, their tsunami system, Bob, they could have pushed a button and rang, rang sirens that everybody would have been alerted to. I've right. been there during those tests. Why didn't that go off? Yeah, no, I you know I know. So I think those are fair investigations to have and to, to try to get to the bottom of this. Uh, but unfortunately, we see this all the time, and I'm, I'm going to get overtly political here. But it just seems like when you have liberal left wing Democrats in charge of the store, that things are just grossly mismanaged in in a, in a whole bunch of different ways. Whether it's crime in big inner cities and uh, soft on crime policies, or whether it's forest management, or so I mean, I I don't know what happened with the emergency system. I don't know what kind of possible argument there could be for for the emergency system not being activated the hurricane emergency system uh, being activated or uh, tsunami in the way that it could and should have been i just don't know there'll be investigations there'll be lawsuits they're already beginning obviously so so i wanted to to echo something john said about the forest management because we experience we're living that dream here in the people's republic of california all the time oh yeah Uh, there have been some major fires hundreds of millions of dollars in damages paid out by power companies because the either the legislature or the we the people vote on maintaining the so-called you know natural habitat and when you've got these electric transformers you know that are the the power lines if you will that have come they're bolted into the ground they got the power lines up overhead and if all the uh, terrain around it is not maintained not cut back or whatever those things spark all the time it's just what they do right they're transferring electricity so it is not uncommon to get to the bottom of a large fire that burns thousands of acres and then all of a sudden look and say yeah if we'd cut this away the transforming sparking which ordinarily happens would not have hit all this dry brush and sent this thing going up here so i mean whether it's lush green in lahaina or uh, dry tinder in northern california i mean it, it's really easy and there's no conspiracy there it's just it's really no. just basic right. science if Same you don't we, cut we the a, stuff back that's what you guys, get guys we had a big fire here uh be two years ago october that wiped out you know a, a lot of superior Louisville, colorado my basically where i grew up and that was another fire that very involved in i didn't have anything personally that was there but watched that fire was was you know nearby when all that was going on and to your point, uh, Roger, I mean, that has been determined that that was started. Again, we had 100-mile-an-hour winds, which, by the way, those that are listening, when you've got 80-mile-an-hour winds in Hawaii, it's similar to what we would have in Colorado at 100 because there's a lot more air there than we have up here at a mile high. So the reality right. is uh, that wind force is strong, Roger. It can break, literally break and snap phone poles over, you know, you know, telephone lines or not telephone, power lines over, I should say. And when that happens, my wife was asking me the other day, you know, how do these things, you know, get sparked? And I think there's a lot of folks out there that are that are novice to this that probably don't understand that. But you guys are saying this, you know, when a, in this case, if a power line 
you know, snaps where they even start rubbing together because there's so much yep. wind force and there's any kind of a spark. Well, you guys know how that works when you've got mm-hmm. an oxygen fueled spark that is because you've got 100 mile an hour winds. It's literally feeding the fire. People forget that back in the day with blacksmiths, the way they instill to this day, the way you can actually, mm-hmm. you know, melt, meld metal, if you would, is by adding, adding oxygen to the fire, making it hotter and more intense. That's exactly what happens when you have these kinds of winds. So again, going back to the whole conspiracy thing it just doesn't hold water can these things happen naturally uh we've had two of them in the last three years in colorado so absolutely they can it seems weird though that in colorado you would have the wildfires like that because your oxygen is thinner there since Uh, you're a mile high by the time we get to october november typically we're so dry here because we just don't have the moisture at that time of the year that it's just a big tinderbox and we're like california and we are a democrat run state uh the forest service of course has has been run uh lackluster for years we just don't do the you know, we have a ton of, you know, beetle kill trees where they're dead, things along those lines. And of course, where this fire was in the Boulder area, that was all prairie land to where there's really not a lot of management. And, and again, like Lahaina here in Colorado, because like where Roger is as well, and this is something you guys in Michigan maybe don't don't recognize or in Buffalo where Neil is, but our land values here are so high that you could literally almost, I'm not exaggerating when I say this, stretch out your arm and touch the house next to you. So when you're that close together and one, you know, one structure catches fire, well, it's just natural that everybody, everything else near it is going to do the same thing. And then it just becomes an inferno because you've got, you've got the flame or sorry, you've got the, you've got the fuel source, the, the flame itself, and then you're feeding that with more oxygen. And what people forget as well is when you've got a box full of oxygen, called a house and a window breaks or in the case of Hawaii where the windows are probably already open that fire is seeking oxygen it's going to go in and burn from the inside out and that's exactly what they do here in Colorado yeah and we don't really see I mean here in Michigan we don't really see the wildfire we have a lot of forestry and under a lot of forestry and and California is yeah, well, but you know what, though? I, I, I think our, we're, we're certainly not as dry here in Michigan. We're sound, surrounded by a lot of lakes, and so the humidity is, I, I think, stronger here. And so I just We have a lot of forestry in Michigan, but but wildfires and out-of-control fires, we just don't experience it. And, and I don't think it's because it's proper management. I think it's just the the weather conditions here Correct. just aren't conducive. And it, actually, Neil, there in Buffalo, there you got a lot of forestry up there in, in northern New York, but I don't think you guys really have wildfire issues that much, do you? Well, no, and we're surrounded by, you know, Lake Erie and Lake Ontario. And, right. You know, the Finger Lakes and whatever. There's a lot of, it's very similar to what you're describing in Michigan. Maybe not quite as much water on our borders, but um, the I just think it's environmental and it's weather related and whatever. Yeah, we just, I, I don't know if there's ever been a forest fire, maybe in the hmm. Adirondacks at some point, but nothing on the scale of what you guys are describing in Colorado. And, you know, I should probably take a second here to say how grateful I am for all of our sponsors who take the time each week to, you know, let us talk about these kinds of things from a biblical perspective, to pray on the air and to represent Christ well. And, you know, one of those sponsors is Alliance Defending Freedom, which you may or may not know is a group of more than 4,000 lawyers that work together to preserve and protect our most basic freedoms like freedom of speech and the free exercise of religion. You probably heard that ADF recently won their 15th U.S. Supreme Court victory in just over a decade. It was a case called 303 Creative, and it's huge. I'm actually going to tell you more about it in the second half of the podcast. But over the years, ADF actually won hundreds of victories on all different kinds of levels, statewide, local, regional. um, And your gifts of just $19 a month are making the difference. All you have to do is click on the ADF button at CrawfordMediaGroup.net. So I want to tell you about one of them, a student at Southern Illinois University in Edwardsville who came under attack 
This young girl came under attack for simply expressing her personal beliefs. Maggie DeYoung is her name. She posted conservative messages on social media and simply talked to fellow students about stuff like, you know, from a conservative perspective, religion, politics, critical race theory, COVID-19, shared some of those personal opinions and school officials didn't like it. And for that, she was hit with what's called no contact orders. She was literally forbidden to express her beliefs to others on campus, on social media, or to even have conversations with other students. What? Well, ADF attorneys stepped in. They won a huge victory in U.S. District Court. And the court ruled that public universities cannot punish students for expressing their personal, political, and religious views because our Constitution guarantees freedom of speech for all Americans. That's amazing. Right. Uh, ADF is fighting really not just for Maggie's right to share her beliefs, but they're fighting for every one of us. It's not complicated. $19 a month, which is just 63 cents a day, is helping preserve your freedom of speech and mine. And we want to invite you to join us in the fight. Well, you give today. All you got to do is click on the ADF button at CrawfordMediaGroup.net. And Roger, you know better than anybody that we can't give if we don't have anything to give. And uh, Wilson Financial is doing an incredible job helping our listeners find the financial freedom necessary to be able to be generous on things like this. Absolutely. When you think about the fact that the, the world is kind of topsy-turvy right now and our taxes are all going up because we're going to need extra money for FEMA to pay for all the damage that happened in Lahaina. I mean, natural disasters happen and we understand that, but we also understand when you have a runaway administration that just is tax and spend, tax and spend. Your goal, especially as you get to retirement, is how do I, how do I steward well the money that God has entrusted to me, either through uh, investments or pensions or just what you're earning. And Wilson Financial is here and committed more than 50 years of finding alternatives to what the markets would say, to what the banks would say. The same types of products, real estate investment trusts and CDs and, and uh, long-term care benefits that you can't find in the market. Uh, when you contact Dennis Wilson, set up that complimentary consultation, 800-696-9970, or click on the banner for Wilson Financial Advisors at CrawfordMediaGroup.net. Make sure that you protect that nest egg, especially when there are fires burning all over the place around it, trying to burn it down and kind of snatch it away from you. It's a, it really is a question of stewardship in terms of being proactive, but also being protective too. And uh, guys, I'm grateful that Dennis is part of the team here, uh, especially as we uh, affords us the opportunity to have these conversations today. Amen. That's absolutely right. So we do want you folks to continue to support the sponsors to this podcast. Well, we thank you for your support for ADF, for Wilson Financial. We thank you for your support to Preborn. You heard me mention it earlier. If you haven't given to Preborn yet, hey, right now's a chance to do it, okay? What you're doing is stopping abortions. You're saving babies' lives by showing ultrasound images of unborn babies to expectant moms. You're paying for the ultrasounds, basically, okay? So here's what it boils down to. $28 is the average cost to stop one abortion through ultrasound images. Remember, when a mom sees a picture of her baby, she chooses life almost all the time. She usually ends up accepting the Lord, too. So $28 saves one baby's life. How many babies' lives would you be willing to save today in a one-time gift? Take $28 times fill in the blank, whatever number maybe God lays on your heart. And that's your one-time gift to preborn. You can give online by going to crawfordmediagroup.net, click on the preborn tab. You can give right there. Every penny you give goes to fund ultrasounds, nothing for overhead. So crawfordmediagroup.net, click on preborn. Or if you want to talk to a real live person, they answer 24-7 on the phone. Call right now, 833-850-BABY. That's 833 850 baby and just mentioned national crawford roundtable 
when you call. We appreciate you folks listening to NCR. We do. In the second half of this podcast, we're going to be talking about the latest indictment, the Georgia indictment of Donald Trump. We're going to analyze that. Uh, We appreciate your five-star reviews wherever you listen to uh, the podcast. Also, you can watch video of our podcast at myhopenow.com and certainly follow My Hope Now wherever you're on social media. The second half of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast coming up next. This has been a Crawford Media Group production. Continuing the second half of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast with all of the guys. Roger Marsh, the bottom line from the People's Republic of California. John Rush, Rush to Reason out of Denver, Colorado. Neil Boron, Neil Boron Live out of Buffalo, New York. Myself, Bob Duco, Bob Duco Show out of Detroit. Okay, so for the second half... Let's talk about the latest of the Trump indictments. This is indictment number four. I know. Yeah. Wake <laughs> me up when you're done. Wake, wake up there, exactly. Stop me if you've heard this one before. Oh, oh I know. Here comes the punchline. Don't tell the punchline ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, first you've got the New York City Alvin Bragg, George Soros-funded DA, who brings these charges against Donald Trump for a bookkeeping dispute over his non-disclosure agreement with some stripper. Okay. Or porn star or whatever. Then you've got the Biden administration, their Department of Justice, going after Biden's political opponent with not one but two different indictments. One on classified documents. No, not the classified documents at Joe Biden's five different locations, including his garage floor. Uh, No, Donald Trump's classified documents. Uh, and, And, of course, January 6th. Well, now... We go to the fourth one, Fulton County, Georgia, district attorney, and this lady who, by the way, campaigned on I'm going to get Donald Trump, now bringing these charges against him and 18 uh, co-defendants in this case, case, including his attorneys, John Eastman, uh, Rudy Giuliani, aides of Donald Trump's, even the White House chief of staff, Mark Meadows. But going after Trump and the rest of them for RICO charges, racketeering charges that are used for for mobsters and gangsters, I find this absolutely obscene. And we got to remember, if you read through the 95-page indictment, I, I read through it, okay? And you know so. What you see in there is this is Donald Trump basically because he was trying to uh, he was trying to look for fraudulent votes and believing that there was fraud and so therefore trying to find fraudulent votes and have them removed as they should be to see if maybe he would win in a recount when you back out fraudulent votes that this is now somehow a RICO violation. This is a racketeering kind of thing. And I guess I think to myself, if you read the indictment, it repeatedly says he attempted to alter the outcome of the election. Okay, hold on a minute. What does a recount try to do? Any recount of anybody, Republican or Democrat, you're trying to you're trying to convert your loss into a win with a recount. When you're trying to invalidate invalid votes, what are you trying to do? You're trying to alter the outcome of the election, taking yourself from a loss to a win. But now suddenly that's a crime and it's not just a crime, it's a crime that can put him in prison for the rest of his life. And he wouldn't even have the authority to pardon himself. And Georgia state law says the governor is not allowed to pardon either. The parole board has to do it. And it's only after the person served their full term and then five years after that. So, 
I, there's so many so, Bob, places to go with this. Let's work our way around. So some of the automatic recounts we have in certain areas of the country, is that RICO as well? Yeah, apparently, because the, the purpose of the recount is an effort to turn a loss into a win, an effort to alter the outcome of the election. That's what the purpose of a recount is. And so what he's being accused of is trying to alter the outcome of the election by looking for fraudulent votes and asking people to research and dig into the the fraud claims to find out if those fraudulent votes are there. So I, I just... And by the way, I don't know about you guys, but I've been playing on my show some of those audio montages and video montages of after the 2000 election, the Democrats repeatedly saying the election was stolen, the election was rigged. After the 2004 election, repeatedly saying the election was stolen, the election was rigged in Ohio and voting machine irregularities and such. After 2016, the Democrats claimed uh, claimed uh, election fraud that was stolen, it was rigged. They did that on steroids. Trump didn't invent some Russia collusion thing like the Democrats did. And then they did it in 2018 again with Stacey Abrams in Georgia, ironically, of all places. So I just kind of going around the table, guys, even if you don't have to be a Trump supporter to say this is a chilling time in America. I'm watching America, as we know, it collapse before our very eyes into an actual third world banana republic because this isn't supposed to happen in the united states of america no it's uh, i guess i'll jump in no it is not and you you said it very well uh bob in all of the different things that you just stated and i guess to your point you could go back on all the way to al gore dangling chads and so on i mean the reality is were, was that rico as well and in this particular case one thing that you mentioned is there's a you know several other people i think is it eight other people that have now been indicted in all of this co-conspiracy nonsense okay just because you've got somebody on your team that believes the same thing that you're doing and is trying to push for some of these recounts does not justify racketeering right it, it really doesn't and by the way we're going to dive into all of this and, and kind of analyze what's what's involved in these indictments and the reason that we consider this a sham indictment. So as we're diving into this, we want to remind everybody, okay, you're going to hear us talking about sponsors to this podcast. And we really want you to support those sponsors. Uh, One of them, of course, is Preborn. And you hear us mention this all the time. We're asking you to save babies' lives by paying for ultrasound images uh, to for preborn to show to expectant moms in pro-life centers around the country. They see a picture of their baby, they choose life almost all the time, about 85% of the time. They usually end up accepting the Lord too. So here's how you can give to preborn. Here's how you can pay for those ultrasound images. Just go to crawfordmediagroup.net, click on the preborn tab, and you can give right there. And 100% of what you give goes to fund ultrasounds. How much do you give? Well, that's up to you. Here's the cost of it, $28 is the average cost to stop one abortion to save one baby's life through ultrasound images. 28 bucks stops one abortion. How much will you give as a one-time gift? How many babies' lives will you save? 10 babies, 100 babies, whatever you can afford. It's a one-time gift. 100% of what you give goes to fund ultrasounds. So crawfordmediagroup.net, click on preborn, give right there. And if you want to talk to a real-life person over the phone, they answer the phones 24-7. So you can call right now, 833-850-850. Baby, A three three eight five zero. Baby, just mention National Crawford Roundtable when you call. We appreciate you folks supporting Preborn. As we talk about the latest charges against Donald Trump, 
in Georgia. And I guess as we kind of go around the table and, and talk about this uh, a little bit, Roger, what's what's really frustrating when I when I look at something like this, you know, Alan Dershowitz. We all know Alan Dershowitz. Alan yeah. Dershowitz, he's a liberal Democrat. Uh, as a matter of fact, he's not a Trump supporter. He's never voted for Donald Trump. He was a huge Hillary supporter in 2016. Uh, and uh, back in 2000, when it was Bush versus Gore in Florida, Alan Dershowitz was Al Gore's leading attorney. Alan Dershowitz was fighting to to get the election results, if you will, overturned in Florida. And Alan Dershowitz, just this week on Fox News, said, I got to tell you, Donald Trump and his attorneys didn't do anything different than Al Gore and I did with our attorneys back in 2000. You're going to come and arrest me now? You're going to charge me with racketeering now? Uh, so when you have a Democrat attorney who's saying, we did the very same thing that Donald Trump is doing now. I, I guess I'm just having a hard time, Roger, understanding how your average rank-and-file Democrat voter is just drinking the MSNBC Kool-Aid, and they're not bothered by this at all. You know, it's interesting, bringing up the Dershowitz comparison, you know, for 24 years apart, it kind of shows you where the Democrat Party has gone from being a yeah. liberal Democrat like Alan Dershowitz who could say, look, okay, I'm, I'm not a Trump supporter. I'm not a George W. Bush supporter, but what's happening to Trump right now is just, it's wrong. I'm legally, it's wrong. Constitutionally, it's wrong. It, it's interesting to me, too, to see the way this is being spun in the media. I understand when Brian Kemp comes out and says, look, we have election integrity laws here, and, and uh, there's, there's no problem here. All is well in the state of Georgia. And so basically, Trump lost, and we've got election integrity. I mean, the election integrity laws that were passed as a result of all the monkey business that happened in Georgia in the 2020 election really did solidify some pretty solid returns for both parties in terms of election integrity in the 2022 midterms. Stacey Abrams doesn't know what she's talking about. I mean, because she lost once, denied it. Then she tried to run again in 22, lost that one on the election integrity ballot where more African-Americans, more people of color, more women, more Democrats, more Republicans were able to vote legally and not have to worry about, you know, these crazy, you know, conspiracies that came up in the 2020 election. But the, I think the scary Take all the names out of it, you know, whether it's Donald Trump or Al Gore or Barack Obama, whoever is in the, the, the driver's seat here. The fact that the rules are not being evenly applied should be terrifying to Americans. The right. fact that, you know, it, whether it's Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis, you know, who were going through this or whatever, the idea that you just mentioned, the RICO racketeering laws, which are designed to stop businesses from being shut down by mobsters, has been used against the pro-life community for years. I mean, how, how many pro-lifers went to jail in 1986, 1987 for violating these so-called racketeering laws or and committing those crimes? And the crime that they committed was they were praying in front of an abortion clinic. And if that made it difficult for someone to get in the front door or in the driveway, then all of a sudden they were trying to keep the business from from going on. Well, what's happening here that constitutes these RICO charges? I mean, it sounds pretty sexy to say 43 different charges, 95, whatever. Well, okay, yeah, but you've got 19 different defendants here. I mean, they're going to go after Jenna Ellis for being a paid spokesperson. I mean, they're going to go after John Eastman for releasing the, the, the memo that was released that said, okay, President Trump, here are your options. Not to say, right. this is how we overthrow the government. Here are your legal options. If this happens, then you could do this. If the, I mean, it, it's just stating facts for crying out loud. And, and, and Roger, some of the charges against Donald Trump are for tweeting Okay, <laughs> tweeting. Watch TV. Watch oh the God. watch the Georgia hearings on TV. Mm. It's, what, Mark Meadows. One of the charges against him is that he texted somebody, "Hey, can you give me a phone number?" 
of a Congress or of a, a, a legislator in Pennsylvania. I just need their phone number, and that tweet that that makes it in the indictment list. Well, so, what about what about Raffensperger? Are they going to go after him for lying to the Washington Post? I mean, that whole thing about I want you to find me more votes was a lie. That's right. right there with the really fine people line. I mean, what he said was, if you recount, I believe you will find not. I want you to find me some votes because right. you're a Republican and blah. I mean, that that bullface lie. Four months later, they're like, oh, yeah, well, we, we didn't really actually hear the audio. We just went off what they told us to report. Come yeah. on. And by the way, this is two and a half years later that she's bringing these charges too. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, she didn't bring it back then. Wait until uh, time it so that the trials themselves will happen right during the election cycle of next year. Well, is it, I mean, shed some light on this, because I'm not exactly sure where she's going with that whole RICO thing. It, it's not up to Donald Trump, essentially, to prove that it didn't happen. It's up to her to prove that it did, right? It, hasn't she really- Not these days. It? Not in Fulton County. Well, okay, in the court of public opinion, maybe. But, like, I would think some people would look at that like career suicide. Like, where are you going? You can't You can't make this stick. Telling somebody to call a friend or or to watch TV or ask a lawyer to help with a situation is somehow criminal racketeering. Like she's got to be able to prove that. I don't see that that's going to happen. You know what though, these Neil, these again, super political, but these liberal left-wing Democrats in these cities, they don't mind people shoplifting. And so you go shoplift in stores and clear out the shelves. Okay. They're the victims. If you try to stop them from doing that, uh, it, it's almost, it's this left-wing thug mentality that says, we don't care what the law is. We don't care what's right or wrong all we care about is winning we want to stop donald trump we want to throw him in jail for revenge for his four years and stop him from winning again by hook by crook it it's no longer uh, uh, it you know it doesn't matter whether you win or lose it's how you play the game it's it's it doesn't matter how you play the game all that matters is whether you win or lose that is the left-wing mantra these days and so i just think it's a criminal mentality that they have let's just ignore the law and use it however we can and if we can if we can in a in fulton county that's overwhelmingly democrat for a jury pool you know they're going to get a bunch of Democrats that are like a post-truth people that, well, like my feelings are I hate Donald Trump, therefore I'm just going along with it. I think that's, they're going to throw him in jail. At some point, I mean, because I was listening to Fox News last night a little bit. They were talking about the possibility of a fifth indictment coming out of Arizona. And like at some point, isn't there a, a backlash where the American people say, this is ridiculous, this is insane, we've never seen anything like this before, and where it actually begins to help Trump. Now, some might argue that it's already helping him because he's you know, still the front runner uh, in the field of GOP candidates, I get that. But like, I, it, I think we've even talked about it in this program, that the ultimate strategy is to get him in the race, but so disable him that Biden could actually beat him, even if Biden is completely inept. But mm. I don't know what the strategy could be from here other than to keep Donald Trump in the news because there's so little substance to these charges. There should be backlash, but here's where we have a corrupt media that's not actually going to tell you the absurdity of what's really in these charges. I mean, this man has 91 in the four indictments, 91 felony charges against him that add up to 717 years in prison. You know something? Mass murderers don't get 700 years in prison. All right. People who rape multiple children and murder them don't get 700 years in prison. But Donald Trump is getting that. Why? They're attempting to do that to him. Why? Because he, he dared to question the outcome of an election. And because of bookkeeping disputes, 
and because he dared to say, I think the election was stolen and rigged, and because he took some classified documents that he believed he had the right to take under the Presidential Records Act, that's 700 years in prison. I, I, I don't know how to get the truth out to people if you've got a corrupt media. We can do our best little bit, but for the most part, you look at the polls, close to half of Americans say, well, he's got to be guilty of something. Well, and so then the question is, is, is it helping or hurting the Democrats? Because at some point... It's so preposterous, so unbelievable, so unheard of that that's why I'm saying I think the pendulum begins to swing the other way in favor of Donald Trump. It certainly hasn't affected Trump supporters. We know that. Trump supporters mm-hmm. aren't going anywhere. It's that people in the middle, and I'm wondering if the Democrats have bitten off more than they can chew because they've got to help convince the people in the middle that there's substance to any of this. And, you know, I don't know. I, I, you just, know what? I don't see it working I, I hope well you're right. I hope you're right. But maybe I'm just a pessimist here. But I don't think that's going to be the case because I, there will be some blowback. But remember, all the Democrats need is a handful of swing voter centrists, a handful of those soccer moms that don't really get into politics. They look at this and all they see is the headline surf, the, the part of the iceberg above the water, which is, I don't know, all of these charges against Trump and it, maybe some of them. Are, are exaggerated, but uh, some of them have to be real. And so I don't know. I just, it sounds to me like this guy's got real corruption problems, blah, blah, blah. I just think that's how some surface-minded independents are going to think. And the Democrats only need a handful of them to buy into that. And that's enough to swing any election toward whoever the Democrat is. And you know who you can ask for confirmation that. of that is Donald Trump. I mean, let's face it, when he yeah. won in 2016, how many of the Rust Belt states did he swing? I mean, he didn't have a ton of support. He just had enough in the right counties in the right places, you know, to kind of to kind of flip the script. I mean, the reality is we're, we're you know, it, not to over-spiritualize this, but it is interesting to me to see how progressives have decided that maybe there is evil in the world and they think they can eliminate the evil. The evil they've decided, right, first it was George W. Bush, now it's Donald Trump, it's anybody who's conservative, it's the religious right, whatever it is. But if for no other reason, I mean, we can take a step back and, and, and adjust our prayer life in terms of how to deal with these people. Yeah, we have an election to you know, hopefully try to win to keep the democracy in place. But the blue states are gonna run on the same thing they did here in the People's Republic back in uh, 22. But your democracy is at risk if you don't vote yes on Proposition 1 and enshrine abortion and abortion care, quote unquote, into the Constitution. So they'll say, you know, look, if Donald Trump wins the White House, our democracy is at risk. That's the end of America. This is the last election. And the blue states will go along with that. To Bob, to your point, it's the what happens in the red states, what happens with the moderates, what happens with the independents and, and places like Texas, for example. You know, I mean, we're, we like to think of Texas as a great red state. It's been blue before. It's probably a little more purple than we'd like to admit. And that could be a place that could very easily mm-hmm. you know, flip in one way or the other. I mean, I, do, I don't see Florida going that way. But if you get, well, look what happened in the last election. <laughs> in the midterms, in the 2020 election, you get enough of the Georgias and the Pennsylvanias and whatever strategically, and the Democrats know that. Uh, to John's point, I'm sure they're just enjoying the fact that Donald Trump is continuing to campaign and continuing to keep his, his base energized because they want this guy in the ring. Um, but to Neil's point, I think they may have bitten off more than they could chew this time. Uh, John, I am kind of curious, though, and none of us are legal experts. I don't think anybody can actually answer this question. Uh, How does this work if Trump actually goes to prison and then let's say he still gets elected while he's in prison in Georgia? 
he can't pardon himself because I mentioned this early on, but the the president could only pardon himself for federal crimes. He wouldn't be able to pardon himself for state crimes. And Georgia state law says that the governor is not allowed to, even though Brian Kemp, he may not want to pardon Trump anyways, or, but still, uh, but he wouldn't be allowed to. It would be the parole board is the only one that can, according to state law in Georgia. But the law also says they can't parole somebody until they have completed their term and then add five years. So the only way they could do this is to change the law in the state of Florida to change these particular laws. But uh, is there enough in the legislature to even try to change the law in this case, the parole board laws? Probably not. Which then, does Trump just go ahead if he gets elected and say, I'm pardoning myself of the state law too. Take me to the Supreme Court. And too much thought process, not going there anyways. Yeah? You don't think it's going to come down to that? No. What's going to happen? First of all, he's unelectable. Sorry, guys. He's unelectable. So you don't think he'll happen. you don't think he'll win from inside no. prison? No, no chance. All right, no, not a chance. All now, right, I don't think it'll get to that point. Anyways, I don't think he'll he'll make it to prison. Frankly, it, it, Roger said it earlier. Roger and Neil, I can't remember which one. I mean, yes, in I know that it doesn't seem this way, but in the United States of America, you're innocent before proven guilty. He only has to defend himself. They have to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that he's guilty. And, and I realize that we are in a different state today as a country than what we have been in the past. But that's still the law. That's still the way it works. He's not guilty until he's proven You really think those Democrat jurors are going to think that way? You really think those liberal left-wing anti-Trump jurors are going to think that way? Bob, they're not all Democrats. Fulton County is overwhelmingly Democrats, like 90, 95 percent Democrats. doesn't mean they're all Democrats. I mean, again, as, as the, that's, the, that's the job of the defendant. You know, of of the of his attorneys to make sure that it's not all stacked in one direction or, or another. That's part of the questioning that'll go on in that particular arena. And and as you know, that's how the court system works and so on. Again, personally, don't think it's ever going to get that far. The left wants him running. They don't want him running from inside prison. They don't want to give him any more any more notoriety when it comes to that. They do want him to be the candidate. And I will tell you right now, maybe this is a bold statement, but if you want the indictments against Donald Trump to stop, stop supporting him. Uh, why Why then did they wait two and a half years to bring all of these charges? Because they want him to be the candidate this time around. Okay, well That's then why, why, did, why, why didn't they try to do this early on? Because the timing wouldn't have worked then. It works now. It didn't work then. How, you, you're, you don't think you're, you're you would have been a candidate no matter what? Support from our side and from the the Trump cult. Sorry, that's what I'm going to call it. You're drumming up more support from the Trump cult now than you would have even two years ago. That would have waned by now. Would have worn off the outcome of this is the perfect timing for them to do this. That's why they did it now. No, I'll tell you what. I don't think it's a. I look. Look. I personally, I think we ought to be rallying around Donald Trump, and I, it has nothing to do with cult-like thoughts. Well, I know we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. I know that there's some cult-minded people out there. They're kidding themselves. But uh, in you a rally case around like this, him because for, what they're doing to him is wrong. But he doesn't need to be our candidate. Yeah. Well, you know what? I uh, I would love to see four more years of Donald Trump. I'd love I to would see too, him but it's, do. He's not Bobby's not electable. All right, well, You're never yeah. going to get the middle-of-the-road suburban mom and even some evangelicals to vote for him. No matter uh, what happens, it's not going to happen. Okay. Mark my and words you know on that one. You know what? And you might be right about that. And look, I understand that it's different today than it was in 2016. Way I different. get that. I understand that. Okay, but here's what was the same. Many of us, certainly me, was also saying back then, there is no chance in the world he gets a nomination. Then there's no chance in the world he wins. It's not going to happen. The independence. I know it's a different different time, but the claim that he's not electable 
was still, it was for a different reason, but that claim was totally still just reason. as strong then as it is now. The, the different reasons, different reasons, but the, the, but the same outcome claim. That's the, the point that I'm making. You had a Democrat candidate with a boatload of baggage. We had a candidate with very little baggage. We now have a candidate with a boatload of baggage. All and you're right. going to run somebody that has very little baggage. Well, we'll see who's right and who's wrong. Unfortunately, we're coming to the end of the podcast. So, uh, but you know what? Good discussion. What do, I know you and me need to have like some, we need to have some kind of like a serious bet on this. I will say, uh, but, but actually, uh, Neil, though, it is, it is really important though, Neil, that as we come to the end of this podcast, one thing we are all in agreement on, we need to be supporting our advertising, especially yes. ADF Alliance Defending yes. Freedom. Yeah, no doubt about it. And for good reason, because freedom of speech and freedom of religion are first amendment rights that are at the very heart of what it means to be an American. Uh, ADF, Alliance Defending Freedom, is an organization that fights literally every day with their 4,000 attorneys to help preserve those rights for all Americans and at no cost to the people they represent. So your gifts and mine of $19 a month are making a huge difference. All you have to do to give is click on the donate button, ADF button at CrawfordMediaGroup.net if you want to donate. Now, recently, I mentioned this in the earlier part of the podcast, ADF won their 15th U.S. Supreme Court victory in a little more than a decade. That's unbelievable. It's a case known as 303 Creative, and it involved a Christian web designer who sued the state of Colorado, hoping to protect her small wedding website business from a powerful law there that could have forced her to create websites for same-sex couples. With the help of ADF attorneys, the, uh, the 303 creative case made it all the way to the Supreme Court, and they won. And the justices ruled that any attempt to force Lori Smith to violate her religious beliefs or force her to declare support for same-sex marriage when she doesn't agree with that is not freedom of speech. Right. And that's not just a little win for Lori Smith. That's a monumental win for all of us who cherish freedom of speech. So think Huge. about it. Yeah. $19 a month, just 63 cents a day is a really small amount when you consider the precious value of the freedom that it guarantees for each one of us. The 303 creative victory means all of us uh, cannot be forced by the government to say or do things that violate our beliefs. And that's why we ask you to join us in the fight. Donate today. Click on the ADF button at CrawfordMediaGroup.net. Thank God for our supporters, including folks like the ones at Wilson Financial. Yeah, right. I'm really, I'm really grateful that Lori Smith didn't get stuck with racketeering charges, you know, like Donald Trump is for you know, trying to block <laughs> other places of doing business. But you know, one of the things that we lo- I love about Dennis Wilson is the guy loves God. He is passionately committed to advancing the kingdom. The proceeds, of many of them that are earned by Wilson Financial Investments uh, for, by the company, get plowed back into. Uh, ministry avenues. As a matter of fact, Dennis will be traveling to Niger uh, next week, leading a team of people to build churches there. He'll be there for a couple of weeks, you know, in the middle of a guy 77 years old, and he's still out there building these churches Hmm. because God, you know, showed him that this is where the good news needs to be spread. And it's just, it's remarkable to see how when people are making investments for the good and not just kind of blindly throwing money into investment products that, that may or may not reflect your values, that you know you can invest with confidence when you talk to Dennis Wilson at Wilson Financial right. Advisors. It's all about stewardship. Um, we've got a link uh, banner up at uh, CrawfordMediaGroup.net for Wilson Financial Advisors, or you can call 800-696-9970. But uh, uh, knowing that Dennis supports our supporters and supports the programs that air on all of our stations too, That's right. it just makes it a lot easier to say, "Hey, this is this. It's we're a family, and this is what the family of God does to support each other and help further the kingdom." 
Absolutely. So support Wilson Financial, support ADF, support Preborn. If you didn't give the $28 times whatever the number is yet, do it now. Go to CrawfordMediaGroup.net, click on Preborn, and you can give right there. $28 times fill in the blank, whatever that number is. Whatever that number is, that's the number of babies' lives you'll save by paying for ultrasound images to Preborn. So would you do that right now? CrawfordMediaGroup.net, click on Preborn. 100% of what you give goes to fund ultrasounds. And you can also call 833-850-BABY. Talk to a real-life person 24-7. Just mention National Crawford Roundtable when you call. We appreciate you folks listening to us wherever you listen to your podcast. Don't forget, you can watch video of our podcast at myhopenow.com. And you can certainly follow My Hope Now wherever you uh, go on social media. And John and Roger and Neil, myself, Bob Duco. Guys, always great catching up with you. Looking forward to next week. Likewise. Thanks, Thanks, Bob. Bob. We'll see you. Thanks for listening, everybody. God bless. You've been listening to the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. A view of today's culture through a biblical lens. Brought to you by Preborn, saving babies and souls. Join us in the fight to save babies from abortion. Your gift provides a free ultrasound for a mother in need. 80% of the time, she will choose life. Visit CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on the Preborn logo to donate to save babies now. Alliance Defending Freedom, protecting your God-given right to live and speak the truth. Your generous financial support makes it possible for ADF to defend religious liberty, the sanctity of human life, freedom of speech, and marriage and family in America and around the world. Visit CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on the ADF logo to give your financial support. Wilson Financial Advisors, over 50 years of financial expertise and success, helping you build confidence in your financial future. Visit CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on the Wilson Financial Services logo to learn more. You can download this podcast from Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and more from your local Crawford Media Group station or at CrawfordMediaGroup.net. And you can watch video of the podcast at MyHopeNow.com. Be sure to follow My Hope Now wherever you follow social media. And please give this podcast a five-star rating on your Apple app. Look for the notification on your app for when the next weekly edition of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast is ready for you to download. This is a Crawford Media Group production.